Morning, church. Um, if you're here today, chances are you know who Jesus is. And most of you would probably say you're a Christian. And if that's not the case, I invite you to listen and hear what the Lord might have to tell you this morning. Anyway, recently we've been in a series called Fully Alive. It's been uh, paralleling what the VBS went through this past week. It's asking the question what it might look like if we, as believers, lived to the extent that God has created us to live. And last week, Scott preached about, um, there's a really growing, stronger uh, part of our mission, Uh, what it would look like uh, if we were a church that loved each other. And today, we're going to look at uh, going beyond asking how we can live like we are part of God's big story. So we're about to uh, hear a text. Let me set the scene for you. Paul is a former Jewish rabbi and enforcer who persecuted Christians early on. And he's teaching about Jesus in the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, that's a little disappointing to the Jews because that's still Jewish property and he's not, you know, to them he's not a Jew anymore. And so they pull him out and they're about to stone him, but there's a, 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 a guard, a tribune, who sees this happening and he's a, they see him about to get uh, stoned and killed. And so the guard goes and pulls him and arrests him and says, look, he needs a trial. And so there's, he puts him in jail and he has a trial before the, the Jewish high court and then... Um, that ends up not being decisive, and he gets in trouble there, and so uh, the tribune protects him there again. And, um, and so he's in jail for about two years under Governor Felix, and Felix is waiting for a bribe, and nothing happens there. And so uh, eventually Felix is replaced by Festus, and so here we are two years later. Festus is about to send Paul to Caesar because Paul says, I'm a citizen. I want to go talk to Caesar because I'm in jail. And so... Um, Festus is like, I don't even know why you're in jail. I don't know why I'm sending you to Caesar. I'm going to send you to Caesar, but I don't know why. So I'm going to wait for King Agrippa. And King Agrippa comes into town, and they're about to have a, a trial to, to see why, to, so that Festus can have a letter to write to Caesar and say, here's why I'm sending Paul to you, because he doesn't know how to do that. So I'm going to show you a video, uh, because it gets a little confusing. If I were to read it, it goes in and out of Paul talking and Jesus talking. And so I'm going to show a video. And this is a word-for-word dramatization of the NIV. It's the visual Bible. And uh, so hear and see the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy, omnipotent God, I ask that you bless us in the hearing of your word. Lord, free me from error. I pray that you would take your word and put it to use in us as we look to be a blessing among the nations. Amen. So we believe that God is in control. Ephesians 1.11 says that all things work according to the counsel of his will. Westminster Confession says it by the completely wise and holy purpose of his own will, God has freely and unchangeably ordained whatever happens. This is Reformed theology. We believe that there is a sovereign God. He makes all things happen. He is in control. 
and he has a big story to tell. And Paul knew this. Paul wrote that Ephesians passage. Remember who he was. Doug taught us a couple weeks ago with the process of becoming a rabbi. You memorize Scripture. He had the, the Torah probably memorized. He had to go before a rabbi and ask if he could become that rabbi's disciple. And that rabbi tested him and examined him. And it wasn't just a rabbi, it was Gamaliel, who we see a couple times in the book of Acts. He's a high priest in the court of the Sanhedrin. So Gamaliel's a pretty influential rabbi. So Paul knew his stuff. He knew of the sovereignty of God. He knew of God's big story. But God's sovereignty is not an excuse for us to completely relax and ignore the rest of Scripture, which tells us that we have a part in that. We have a responsibility in it. We need to respond to the Scripture. We need to respond to the law that He has given so that we can play part in that big story. His Scripture tells us that we are to go and share that story with those around us. Scripture tells us that God is not only sovereign over the ends His purposes aren't just fulfilled, but his purposes are fulfilled by the way that he says that they will be fulfilled. He's sovereign over the means as well. Scripture tells us that uh, he rewards man based on the fruit of his work. We have a role. And so last week we looked at encouraging each other in the church, and today we look at spreading the gospel to those outside the church. And so the way we do that is to recognize that God has a big story. Believers should take their place in it. And that's what Paul does. If you read throughout Acts, all he does is preach the gospel to whoever will listen to him. Unashamedly. And it may look different from place to place. It may sound different from place to place. But the truth of the gospel is what he preaches the whole time. He preaches the same thing every time. uh, Jesus is God incarnate, who is the promised seed of Eve, who satisfies the wrath of God by atoning for the sin of man and imputing his believers with his righteousness. Paul takes his place in God's big story. And he gives us a pretty good uh, format for taking the gospel to other people. First, repent of your unbelief. Verses 9 to 11, Paul talks about his unbelief talks about how he persecuted Christians. It talks about how he didn't believe about Jesus. And I think the video does a pretty good job showing his penitence. He's almost crying because his decision-making killed fellow believers. Repent of your unbelief. Remember what repentance is. It's not just a stopping. It's not just an acknowledgement of your sin, but it is turning away from that sin and turning towards God. The book of Judges has this example uh, in chapter 10. Remember, uh, Israel, we see it all throughout the Old Testament. I struggle with it. I'm sure you struggle with it. When we live in the world, sometimes we forget our purpose. Sometimes we get caught up in that. And you see that in Old Testament Israel. That's why uh, the Lord says, when you go into the Canaanites, don't intermingle because you're going to get confused and you're going to start worship Canaanite gods. But in, in Judges 10, 15 to 16, we have this, great few sentences of what repentance is. 
And the people said to Israel, or the people of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us this day. So they put away their foreign gods and they served the Lord. It's a great illustration of repentance. Acknowledge your sin, acknowledge you were wrong, accept God's punishment. Ask for mercy. Stop worshiping foreign gods and turn and serve the Lord. That's how we take place in God's big picture, by repenting of our sin and not just asking for forgiveness, but turning towards him and serving him. Not only does Paul repent, but he reminds us to remember our conversion. Do you know when you first saw the beauty of the gospel. August 20th, 1992, I sat on the steps on the west side of uh, Camp Minnewonka in Michigan after the first time that I remember hearing a call to repentance. And I prayed that the Lord would forgive my sins and call me his child. Do you know your story? Have you written down what you believe about who God is, what man is, what is sin? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? What's the church? What is the Bible? Because it's helpful when you have those things written down. It's helpful to read over them so that you can see the big story that he's playing out and how he wants to use you in that big story. That's why a year after our students are confirmed, Carrie gives them a copy of their statement of faith in a frame to remind them of their profession of a need of a Savior and their profession that Jesus Christ is the satisfaction of God's wrath for them. Do you remember your story? It doesn't have to be an amazing story of, of change where you were so bad and one day you saw it. It doesn't have to be like Paul. Carrie was five years old and prayed at bedside and, and the Lord has walked with her ever since then she has stayed with the Lord. It doesn't have to be this great story of conversion, but it's your story. It's how the Lord has worked in your life. And it helps to tell people about it. It helps you remember what it was like when you didn't know who Jesus was in the next moment. Hang on a minute. He has saved me. It encourages you, and it encourages the hearer that there are other people out there who are saved, who believe the same thing that I do. So during fellowship after, ask someone, when were you saved? Tell your own story. So repent of your unbelief. Remember your own conversion and respond with your life. Verses 19 and 20. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Paul started right where he was. When he was knocked off, you know, when he was knocked down to the ground during his conversion, a, a believer named Ananias came and took Paul the rest of the way to Damascus to his home. And Acts 9.20 says, Immediately, Paul proclaimed the gospel in the synagogues, teaching people that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Now, I know all of our conversions were not that uh, blast of light that completely, you know, blew us away, but the Lord still calls us to respond. Micah 6, 8, what's the Lord require of you but to act justly, to seek mercy, and to love, uh, to walk humbly with your God? In Matthew 28, go and make disciples, baptizing, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded when we have our conversion, we should act on it. And it's not just, it's not just this static thing. It's like repentance. It's not just an, an end, but it is a call to action. And Paul says in verse 20, repent and turn to God. Perform deeds in keeping with your repentance. We've all seen poor apologies. We can read them all the time on the internet. We smell them from a thousand miles away. A poor apology. If the apology is worded correctly so that it actually is an apology and is not, I'm sorry I have offended you or I'm sorry that you were offended by me, that's, that's a poor apology. But if it's a, if it's a properly worded apology, our eva- evaluation of that apology does not end at the end of the sentence. Our evaluation of that, poli- of that apology takes some time. Because we want to see some actual remorse. We want to see a change in behavior. Not as a a penance type thing where, where I'm trying to earn your forgiveness. But as a realization that I have misbehaved and you deserve better from me. So respond. But how do we respond? But... Paul gives us this example. He, in Acts 9.15, he was told, or Ananias was told that Paul is God's person to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul says it. The audible voice of God told me that I am going to go to the Gentiles. I'm sure, I'm not sure, but many of us have not heard the audible voice of God telling us our specific ministry. But he has placed us where we are. Many of us have children and grandchildren, and that tends to be his most effective method of using you. Read Scripture with your family. Catechize them. Teach them the truth of the gospel. Encourage Sabbath worship. Practice family worship at home. I had a friend tell me uh, a couple weeks ago that his young daughter saw him actually reading a physical copy of the Bible instead of on his phone, and she took notice. It's a young girl who says, Dad, you're, at, you're reading the Bible. Those things matter. God has called us to respond wherever we are. When you're at work, be the best employee you can be. Do work looking for the Lord's hand through his revelation. Treat others with respect and dignity. You also have free time, and you have passions that the Lord has given you. Do you know that Hebron supports missionaries? And many of them are always in need of volunteering. You have Saturdays. Most of them have ways for you to present the gospel to unbelievers, simple ways to present the gospel. Our mobilization team works to partner with a variety of different gospel-centered organizations that teach who Jesus is. 
So if your passion is homelessness or poverty, uh, children, international missions, uh, the hungry, crisis pregnancy, medical, the elderly, we partner with all of them through our mission agencies, with our mission partners, that you can serve the Lord by serving these people. Respond with your life. One of the stories that I love of Paul is when he's in Athens. He, he walks around Athens and he sees a bunch of statues and he knows this is the one statue that's the statue of the unknown God. Paul sees a hole in their theology and says, I know that unknown God. And he takes and he preaches to them. Even here with King Agrippa, whom Paul knows has studied the Old Testament. He takes the opportunity to invite him to faith. Which brings me to the last point. Invite your friends. Verse 29 says, Paul, Paul says, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who are hearing me might become such as I am. So look for opportunities in your relationships with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers to share the gospel. Carrie and I have chosen to have a, a fairly open home. We've had, we have people at our house often for meals. We've had people live with us who have lost their homes. Her ministry demands that she takes calls at all hours, that she goes out you know, late at night with, with kids. And we have these neighbors who the wife stands at the kitchen sink and she can look right down the street and see what's going on all the time. Very friendly neighbors. She's a great one to have. Um, but one day she noticed, you know, all the ins and outs of our house. And she knows about the people who have lived with us. And she says, how do you, Carrie was up here at a, at a youth event, and otherwise it would have been a better story. But she was up here at a youth event, and, and we were sitting around in the backyard, and my neighbor says to me, how do you guys live like that? How do you, how are you always on where people can come in and out? How do you have people in your house? How do you have people living in your house? I wish I could tell you that I told her the right answer. I wish I could tell you that the answer that I gave is the one that I've replayed over and over again in my head, but I missed that opportunity. I don't remember what I said because I was too slow. But the right answer is, if we believe what we say we believe, we have to take people in. We have to be hospitable. Because we don't deserve what we have. Our faith tells us that Christ will continue to provide for us, and he has continued to provide for us. He tells us what we have is not ours, and we need to share it. And I don't tell this to you to build you up. It's a story of my failure. But it's to warn you, don't miss those opportunities to share the gospel with people. Paul knew Agrippa, knew the scriptures, and, and he appealed to him and invited him to faith. You have commonalities with these people that you run into. Use those commonalities. Use those times when you run into them to invite them to know the love of Christ that you do. That's why it's so important for you to remember your conversion. 
to help you recall what it felt like when you didn't know him and the next minute you did. That's why it's important to repent of your sin so you can recognize that you don't deserve anything and all glory goes to God. It's not to you. That's why it's important to respond to the gospel so you have the opportunity to take place in God's big story. So that you have the opportunity to present the gospel to someone else who deserves that same death that you do. That you might hear them or help them hear the call by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you so that you can be used used by God to show himself to the world. It's important for you to invite your friends, your co-workers, your family, a homeless man who needs a meal, a recently displaced family who who needs a few beds, a Muslim in North Africa, an elderly man in the last years of his life, an international student who, from a closed country who has decided to study in our backyard. A child on the north side who doesn't know his father. A pregnant woman who doesn't realize that her best option is to keep her child. They all need the gospel, and the Lord wants to use you. God is in control, He is sovereign. He has a big story to tell, and he wants to use his people to work it out. So how do you live fully alive? Take your place. Let's pray. Holy God, we pray that you would show us those places where we can share your big story, your gospel with those around us. Lord, give us the courage, the wisdom, the power of your Holy Spirit to tell people about who you are and their need of a Savior. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.